Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. And a wonderful day to you. This is Brad Zockel. Early in the morning here, if you might hear my a bit of a, a fatigue in my voice here because it is quite early on a Sunday morning that I'm recording this, and I'm up in the barn studio. The whole weekend has been set uh, up over the Saturday here, and I'm uh, getting things ready for the winter time. The weather is slowly starting to cool off here in upcountry South Carolina, and so that's a reminder for me to make sure that everything is uh, getting ready for the winter months here in the barn. The barn is unheated, but we do bring in uh, heaters here uh, during this time. But last year, you might remember, and I had some friends that were watching me on the different social media, uh, seeing they could actually see my breath whenever I was doing some video classes there. And some very, very kind uh, people, a couple in Georgia, said, we want to make sure that you are taken care of this year and they paid for all of the insulation for our barn. I'm going to say as I'm looking around that it is probably 85% covered. We are just about in the last part. I spent yesterday on a couple of rows of insulation, putting it up on the ceiling. And I want to thank you so much for a prayer and encouragement on our studio here. It's not much, but it's a studio and the Lord's using it in a wonderful way as I'm able to use this for the different classes and recordings, uh, podcasts that we do. So thank you for that. Uh, my name's Brad Zockel, and you're listening to the Questions About Heaven podcast. As we get going into our study, I just want to remind you of the wonderful, wonderful promises that the Lord has given us in the Old and the New Testament all the way through as I give you a charge for today when we talk about our walk up into heaven, when we step away from this life. And here's what I want to uh, share with you. You know, we've talked about the wonderful promises that the Lord has given us. I mean, I think of Revelation chapter 2 and verse 17. To the faithful, to the overcomer, the Lord says, I will also give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name that is inscribed that no one knows except the one who receives it. And we talked about that there are many different uh approaches to what this means, but the strongest one, Bible scholars and researchers say, is that it is referring to the sports uh, area of presentation of a stone. This would be uh, similar to a trophy that is given, where a name is etched onto the base of the trophy. This would be a carved stone that's given to an athlete winning uh, with their name on it. But listen to this, it takes us more than from the theme of sports, takes us into the celestial truth, God's eternal goodness and love. I'll give you a stone with a new name that is inscribed that no one knows except the one who receives it. And the Lord knows you so intimately. He's going to give you a special name that you and he know through your prayers and your walk and that it's brought in his acknowledgement. I mean, I think of Luke 14, 14, where we see that you may have been serving anonymously, serving sacrificially, and never receiving not one bit of recognition here on earth. And the Lord says, oh, I've been watching it. And you will receive a reward on that. 
I think about you know Hebrews chapter six and verse ten tells you that God is not a, a, a dishonest God. He's not. He's not a God that is a forgetful God. He is a God of truth. He is a God that is a just God. He is a God that cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. He's made a promise you will be rewarded. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah 56, verses 5 and 8, he says, I will give those ones that have followed me, me, Yahweh, I will give them in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give each of them an everlasting name that will never be cut off. Wonderful, wonderful truths that we see. We've been talking about that on those, you know, we think about the different words that are lost in English, but through the Greek or the Hebrew come out so strong, such as potapos, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Potapos, how great, I mean, think about it, what it says there, you know, how, how great a love the, the Father's bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of, of God. And so we are. And this word potapos it's an interrogative adjective. It means like, what kind? You find it used seven times in the New Testament. Uh, it, it can mean something. This is so foreign in an admiring way. This is something I've never experienced before. How great, how wonderful. And think about it. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 27, whenever they're wondering about this one who has calmed the storm, well, Potipos, what kind of a man is this? It said an exclamation and indeed an admiration. Or whenever the disciples are trying to talk about the building, look look at the impressive building here, Lord. Look at the temple. Look what an impressive potapos is used there. Uh, then we see in Luke chapter 7, we also will, will wonder, what kind of a strange woman is this? If he knew what kind of a woman this was, he wouldn't be talking with her. It can mean foreign to people or... You know, you just don't know. Well, we just don't. We we can't even comprehend First Corinthians two nine, the wonderful things that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Now, in that, we see all these heavenly promises. What are we settling for in here on Earth? You know, I saw a, a social media post of a dear one, a family member, that had uh, a younger one. Uh, her son had passed away. And when I, I was introduced into his uh, site, his social media site, it's nothing but narcissism. Uh, it's, it's all about me, uh, profanity-laced, uh, clear reference to drug use and uh, self-abuse and everything there. And when I came back, and, and this one had gone to the point where he passed in his rebellion. It, his life was taken. I don't need to go into the details of how it happened. But then the dear mother is saying, you know, there was a conversation and they said, well, we want you to know, he said that he did believe in Jesus. And I'm, I'm just sitting back in anonymity uh, about this. I'm not going to share the name or uh, anything more than that. But I looked at that and I thought, there seems to be a belief, and I'm not judging this because I don't know, but this brings a thought that I want to share with you. There seems to be a, a, a thought within our generation that as long as you believe in Jesus, well, that's going to be good enough. As long as you, well, you say you're a Christian, you add the label, you're identifying it. And I will remind you, there are some countries in which the use of Christians, a political party name, 
And uh, I realize that there are some people that will say, well, as opposed to that faith or that thinking, you would call me a Christian. But there really is no following such as what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. They follow me. My question for you is, you're, you're listening to this and you find Jesus intriguing attractive, but you've not done anything to follow him. Uh, you might be a Christian that right now has been in a self-indulgent walk, and you're saying, well, I know, you know, as long as uh, I, I've, I've said those words which have locked me into Christianity and Christ, and you're under this belief that just in using a, a couple of phrases or just uh, having your, your yourself around Christians is enough. But I want to remind you of what the Lord says, loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 13, it says, The body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. There's an exchange here that I see in 1 Corinthians 6, 13 that really is appropriate for uh, the Christian. If we're heading to his home, we ought to prepare ourselves just as I would prepare if I'm coming to your home not walking in with muddy shoes or a flippant attitude or a forceful demeanor or clothes that are uh, incredibly uh, filthy. There's something there. You're asking me into your home, which you've spent time cleaning up for guests. I ought to prepare myself the same way. And yet, even in, in that secular way, we say, well, of course, that's just the way things are. You know, that's, that's just common courtesy. But we don't apply this when we talk about... Uh, walking uh, steadily, as the Christian will, walking toward the end of this life and in, uh, into heaven. Well, we'll do this, and I just hope things will work out okay. And I want you to think about this principle here in 1 Corinthians 6, because we say we want to do God's will. Well, here's one of them. The body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. Let's take this phrase for fornication. We know, obviously, this is talking about it's not for sexual deviancy. It's not for selfishness and for lust. But let's just look at this. What does it say? The body is for the Lord and the Lord for the body. You have an exchange here. God's relationship with you. If God is showing himself in me, should not I show myself for him? And what I am, I identify with the Lord because he is so happy 1 John 3, 1, to call me his child, shouldn't I show everybody that he is indeed my father? If he gave himself fully to me on the cross, shouldn't I give myself fully to him? This is what it says. The body is for the Lord. How many of us say, well, the body's for me. It's for my decoration. It's for my indulgences. And then God's, you know, he, I kind of locked him in on a loophole. He's got to take me to heaven. But I'm doing nothing to give. Romans chapter 12. What does it say in the opening verses? We're giving ourselves as a living sacrifice to the Lord. What does this mean? We're wholly consecrated to him. We are giving ourselves to him that he might be able to use us. And as we've talked about many times, 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We are giving ourselves in that. The Lord, as we give our energies and our strength and our reliance on him, he in turn gives his strength and his energies to us in ways we can only look back and say, 
Well, that was of the Lord. It was definitely of the Lord. He will strengthen us. He will guide us. Think of this. The Lord is for the body. The Lord is there to give you the words in time of need whenever you're trying to witness to somebody. Or when you're in your devotions, if you are free from distractions and saying, Lord, explain this to me, that I might be able to understand it fully, what you are trying to give me the mind and the heart that will be open to your instruction. I want to know this. This is the body for the Lord. Give him your body. Give him your sins. That is has nothing to do with the strength of both sins of the past. I mean, think about it. First John three, uh, First Peter three eighteen. Christ suffered once for the sins for all time, the just for the unjust. So as we take his imitation of that payment, we understand Hebrews nine twenty eight. He was offered once to bear the sins of many. Hebrews ten twelve. This was one sacrifice for sins forever. So when we come to him, and we give our lives to him, he's paid for that. Do we not also say, Lord, you gave your life to me. This is my life to give to you. 1 Corinthians 6.13. The body, not for selfishness, not for fornication. It's for the Lord, and the Lord's for the body. Do you see this, uh, this exchange, this reciprocal agreement? This is God's relationship with us. I am giving my strength to you as you have been giving your strength, your mind, your heart to me. There's something there that we shouldn't forget. On our pathway through Jesus to heaven, should we not be strengthening ourselves and equipping ourselves for this? And we take this step into eternity, but along this way, bringing as many with us as we can. And somebody says, well, why would I follow you? You're ill-prepared on this trip. You're acting just like me, says the unsaved. Uh, you have the same language. You imbibe in the same things that I take within my body. Uh, there's no difference. So why? what's the difference between you, Christian, and me, a non-Christian? Your testimony is a big thing, uh, believer. It's a very big thing. Have you told the Lord, I have given you my heart, and in this, this might be a romantic way to say it, but have you told him in full knowledge when you say, Lord, I've given you my body. Lord, this body is for you. And the Lord says, I'm giving you for my body. 1 Corinthians 6.13. Take time and meditate upon what I've said here today. I think what this country needs is we, we need Christians wholly dedicated, heart, soul, mind, and strength, given over to the Lord that we might be the example, that we might be the one dedicated, that we might be the one that are reflecting Christ, that people might see Christ in us. Think about that. Pray about that. Thank you so much. God bless you. And Lord willing, we'll talk soon. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N.org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.